Strong Opinion Sports is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 576. Welcome in. It's funny, my notes say 476. I know that's not true. That was like 100 episodes ago. And uh, sorry, if you're watching on YouTube, I was putting my phone on airplane mode to start the show today. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. I'm recording on a Sunday night. I want to maintain, I absolutely love this time zone out here in Hawaii. Sunday night football started at 2 p.m., I could watch the game in the afternoon. Football started at 7 a.m. watching football all day. Here we are Sunday night after the game recording kind of a recap, quick thoughts uh, on week one. We're going to talk about Sunday night football. So uh, the incredible game, the wonderful matchup, the really tense, really, really engaging game that was the Giants against the Cowboys. I'm being facetious. I'm kidding. Um, Cleveland, the 49ers. We'll talk about Kenny Pickett. Uh, Took kind of an L there. I think optically. I will see how the year goes for Kenny Pickett, but I'll tell you more in a moment. Uh, A great game I saw today. I watched four football games today. Uh, Cleveland, the 49ers, and Pittsburgh, Sunday Night Football, and Miami against the Chargers. I will also talk about Colorado football at the end. Texas beat Alabama, but it's going to be a short episode today. Let's be clear. The first episode of the week is always going to be a short episode. The big Deep dive analysis every week is going to be the Tuesday episode. So I'm trying to set expectations very, very clearly. But I got to say at the top, oh, man, it is so good. Like, I am so, so thankful to be talking about real, actual football. No speculation, no rumors, no predictions. Like, I I do that stuff. It's fun for a little while. But then you get so tired of, like, predictions and trying to project this and that like I just sometimes want to talk about real football and watch real football and uh hallelujah it is here NFL week one was really interesting we got one more game tomorrow um again Tuesday is going to be the really big episode now before we jump into the Giants Cowboys game we got to pay the bills so we'll cut right here snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options from spreads, player props, overs and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. That's FanDuel.com Boston. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, we are back. Let's talk about it. On Sunday Night Football, the Cowboys beat the Giants 42-0. And uh, it was a total beatdown. It was a really, really long night for the Giants. I started feeling bad for their fan base, actually. I mean, feeling bad for myself, too. We were all subjected to this horrible football game. 
fun if you're a Cowboys fan, I guess. Uh, it started with a blocked field goal that Dallas grabbed and ran for a touchdown. Then it was a pick six. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones threw to Saquon Barkley, their running back. It bounced off Saquon's hands up in the air. The Cowboys grabbed it, ran that for a touchdown as well. And uh, as the night went on, I just started feeling really, really bad for Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. He was sacked seven times. Um, the dude had no shot. He was constantly under pressure, getting hit a ton. I mean, he's going to need therapy after this football game. He had two interceptions. The Giants had three turnovers. It was a complete dominating performance by this Dallas Cowboys defense. And I don't like bragging. I, I try to never, ever be the guy who brags. I never will be that guy who brags. I don't even like to be the guy who tells you, I told you so. So I'm going to be very careful with how I word this. But I, there's a reason why during the preseason, I called the Cowboys defense terrifying. Their ability to get after quarterbacks is insane, and they've got a great pass rush, therefore a really good front seven, really good corners. We saw them at work tonight. Playmakers all over that defense, and this year, uh, man, the Cowboys defense is one that any team that has to play them, I feel really bad for. And the way they won tonight, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott played a clean game, didn't have to do very much. They scored most of their points um, with their defense, getting good field position and literally scoring on defense even. Um, they played a clean game. Sorry, Dak Prescott played a clean game. No turnovers. They ran the ball for three touchdowns. Dallas did. And that defense was phenomenal. That's a formula. If they can do this all year, Dak has very few turnovers. They run the ball well. And the defense dominates. That's going to be a really, really good year for the Dallas Cowboys. And I want to acknowledge that I have been... Critical of Mike McCarthy, their head coach. I've been critical of Dak Prescott, but we found a formula here. I don't know that every week you're going to have a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, two interceptions, seven sacks. Like That's not going to happen every week, but if consistently this defense can be what I think it is, which is a dominating force, and the quarterback can play clean and they run the ball well, that's going to be a formula that's going to lead to a lot of victories this year. And, uh, you know, next week the Cowboys play the Jets. The Jets go on the road to Dallas, AT&T Stadium. And it's going to be interesting. I've talked about how I have my reservations about the Jets' offensive line. Aaron Rodgers under constant pressure from the Cowboys' defense is going to be interesting if that works out that way. And so I, I'm fascinated. Next week, Jets at Cowboys is going to be a really interesting game. And then the game that... Man, I have I, this game has been circled on my calendar since like August, right? Week five. By the way, which two teams this week on Sunday dominated the most? We saw the 49ers absolutely dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we saw the Dallas Cowboys crush New York. Week five, they're on a collision course. You see the Cowboys on the road at San Francisco. Both teams dominated week one. They've got great front sevens. They run the ball well. They've got quarterbacks who can, you know, I think actually, if anything, the quarterbacks are the two that maybe have the most approved, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy played really well today. But this game, week five, Cowboys at 49ers is the one that we got a lot of football between now and then, but I am, oh boy, I'm so excited. I can't wait for that football game. Um, and it reminds me of that 90s rivalry where both the 49ers and Cowboys are really good and... I don't know, to me, I think Philly's in the mix, but Dallas and the 49ers after one week are the best teams in the NFC. And uh, it's going to be 
fascinating. That could be the NFC title game. That's maybe the overreaction of the weekend is, whoa, 49ers, Cowboys, that could be the NFC title game, the get it, game to get into the Super Bowl. But I don't know. That week five game, that collision course is going to be awesome. And I cannot wait to see what happens when the Cowboys play the 49ers week five. By the way, little self-promotion here. Uh, on Wednesday, self-promotion slash uh, building excitement. On Wednesday, I'm doing an episode about fantasy football. I got my first ever fantasy football win today. And now that's maybe a bit presumptuous because the guy I'm playing has Garrett Wilson, the receiver, on his roster, but I'm up by like 100 points. There's basically no way I'm going to lose. Everyone, everybody made fun of my football team. I drafted my first ever fantasy football draft. I got clowned on. Guys, week one, I cleaned up. I absolutely dominated. And so that'll be fun to talk about on Wednesday. A little promotion there. Let's talk about the other beatdown. Uh, I guess there's two more we really have to talk about. First of all, the, really the big beatdown next I want to talk about is the 49ers, but we'll skip that for now. The Browns beat the Bengals 24-3. to And I got made fun of a lot for saying the Browns are going to be really good. It's something I feel uneasy about because the Browns have been really bad for a long time. And their quarterback is Deshaun Watson, who's got a lot of stuff off the field I do not feel good about. But regardless, I got to call it like I see it. I think Deshaun Watson's really good. I think the Browns' defense is really good. And after one week, I feel that way even more. They played really well week one. They dominated the Bengals 24-3. to We'll see how the year goes. But Deshaun Watson had two touchdowns. He ran for one. He threw one. Nick Chubb, the Browns running back, ran for over 100 yards. And the really big story out of Cleveland was that their defense was a dominating force. They put a lot of pressure on Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. The secondary, I know the pass rush in Cleveland gets a lot of respect, but uh, Jamar Chase was targeted eight times week one, didn't have a catch. Like, do you understand the Cleveland Browns secondary was making play after play on the ball? I understand it was raining. I understand the weather wasn't great. At one point, Joe Burrow put a glove on his hand, like his throwing hand, which he never, ever does. He was struggling to grip the football. But let's also, you know, be clear, the Browns defense shut down Cincinnati. Joe Burrow was 14 for 31 passing, only had 82 yards through the air. Kind of rough, right for signing the biggest contract in NFL history. The Bengals only ran the ball for 75 yards. Uh, Cleveland, as a team, ran for over 200. Offense, defense, every aspect of this game, Cleveland dominated Cincinnati. And again, there was rain. Let's acknowledge it. The weather wasn't great, but both quarterbacks had to deal with it. In fact, Deshaun Watson threw an interception where I'm pretty sure the ball didn't go where he wanted it to go. It was like, hey, you're throwing right at a defender who's right in front of you. He saw the defender, threw the ball right at him. I'm like, I think the ball fell out of your hand in a weird way. So I understand whether it was a factor, but like, hey, Cleveland dominated. Their defense looked fantastic. Uh, if you're a Bengals fan, if you are a Bengals fan, I would not panic. Do not panic in Cincinnati. You do have to wonder how much, you know, Jill Burrow missed a lot of time during training camp, wasn't practicing a ton, was dealing with that calf injury. How did that impact Jill Burrow in this football game? He looked out of rhythm all game. The weather didn't help. But, man, the, the story of this football game is the Browns' defense. This offseason, they added Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. They brought in Zadarius Smith to help their pass rush, and both of them made a big impact week one. Cleveland absolutely dominated the Bengals, and uh, 
Again, I got called crazy. I, I predicted they would go 13-4. and four. I feel weird saying that because it's the Browns, and we've been waiting for years for them to reach their potential as a football team. But what we saw week one was a football team that looks like they're getting ready to reach their, the, you know, their peak performance. And, oh boy, uh, the Browns looked really good week one. The 49ers dominated Pittsburgh 30-7. to And I was so disappointed. I was hoping this would be a good football game. I sat down. I watched its entirety. It was not. <laughs> it was not a good football game. It was a dominating performance by the 49ers. Great for them. And shout out to 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. I shared my reservations about him. Like, ah, we'll see how he does. He looked really good. Brock Purdy started the game 10 for 12 with 114 yards and two touchdowns. He finished the game 19 for 29, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Um, He was running around. He was making plays. I mean, my goodness. I understand he's got a lot of help. Um, And, you know, the 49ers have great players around him. Christian McCaffrey had 22 carries for 152 yards, a long touchdown run. Brandon Ayuk had eight catches for 129 yards, two more touchdowns. But the 49ers look like a juggernaut, and part of that is their quarterback, Brock Purdy, looked really good week one. You you can't deny it. I said, well, wait, let's see what he does. I'm already starting to regret, like, massively. I watched Seattle. They lost to the Rams 30-13. to The 49ers dominated Pittsburgh. I'm like, ooh, I made a mistake probably picking Seattle to win that division, the NFC West, I, I think I'm going to make it look silly. They're going to, I think that prediction is the one that is the worst one uh, already week one. I'm like, ooh, this could age really horribly, can't it? Like, mmm, mmm, I'm really uneasy. Um, I thought that the defense looked really good. Um, and if the 49ers do what they did in this game the rest of the year, get out for the quarterback, Brock Purdy plays well, their playmakers make plays like they're supposed to. It's a Super Bowl team. And week one, I know the overreaction from week one. There's like, oh, don't overreact. But telling you what my eyeballs saw, 49ers, Cowboys, NFC title game. That's what I saw week one. The two best teams I saw in the NFC this week were the 49ers and Dallas. And uh, it starts up front. Their defensive lines were getting after the opposing quarterback, disrupting every play. They looked really good on offense. The offensive line for both teams looked really good. I know it's a long season, but the 49ers, round of applause, they deserve respect. Brock Purdy looked great. Their defense looked awesome. And, uh, hey, you got to give credit where credit is due. Credit the 49ers. They won 30-7 to over Pittsburgh and looked really, really good doing it. So the 49ers looked awesome. Pittsburgh looked bad. Pittsburgh looked really bad. Um, I predicted that the Pittsburgh Steelers would win nine games this year. And their fan base got really mad at me, called me an idiot. I'm starting to feel pretty good about that. Nine wins looks about right. They got a lot to clean up. I'm sure they'll be a better team next week than they were this week. And hopefully by the end of the year, the Steelers are a better team than what we saw week one. I mean, we hope to God it was horrible what we saw week one. Um, What shocked me most about the Steelers week one was their quarterback, Kenny Pickett. It was uh, awful. Week one against the 49ers, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett looked really bad. And I got to call it like I see it. It's a bit frustrating. I just put out a video, a film analysis video saying, hey, I think Kenny Pickett did really good last year and he's going to be better this year. I showed the film. I showed what he did. I showed his ability to run. I showed his back shoulder fades. 
I said, hey, here are the things that went wrong. You know, it was, and, uh, man, it's, uh, I just got to take it on the chin. I think optically it's a bad look. I do think Kenny Pickett's going to be better this year than he was last year, but he certainly wasn't week one. I can't imagine worse timing for that video, but I had to get it out before week one. And I'll take that on the chin. I, I accept. Uh, I know it made me look silly. Thank you, Kenny Pickett, for throwing two horrible interceptions, looking rough. But uh, you can't predict a guy just playing horrible football. I, I would. All, I, it feels out of character what we saw from Kenny Pickett. I was surprised. He was inaccurate. He threw bad interceptions. He looked off. Um, Kenny Pickett was 31 for 46 passing, had 232 yards, had a touchdown pass, had two interceptions. Um, it didn't help that the Steelers couldn't run the football. And the 49ers defense, to their credit, is really good. But those feel like excuses to me. The reality is Kenny Pickett had opportunities on Sunday and wasn't good. There's a play that really, really sticks in my mind to throw over the middle. I believe to Pat Fryermuth, their tight end. Should have been a touchdown. Threw it behind his receiver instead of leading him into the end zone. That, that was a touchdown left on the board by Kenny Pickett. He missed multiple throws. He made bad decisions. Um, the first interception he threw was a throw where receiver Deontay Johnson fell down. I think we're still not seeing great chemistry from Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett. That's disturbing and concerning, actually. Like, hey, are they ever going to get on the same page? Why can't... It feels like Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett just don't play well together. I don't know what it is, why they're not doing great. Um, and I think some of the problem in this game... I, I hate making excuses for a player who didn't do well en- didn't do well enough, I guess is the right word, right way to put that. Kenny Pickett didn't play great. I was always in favor of keeping Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, not because he was a great offensive coordinator, but because I felt after Kenny Pickett's rookie year to keep him having continuity, running the same offense he ran in year one and year two would be an advantage for him. Starting to feel like a disadvantage. I know that's maybe another overreaction from week one, but the people calling for Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, to be fired, I hear you. And I'm starting to agree with you. We'll see how the year goes. I don't want to massively overreact. And I thought keeping him, while not a great decision, was I I justified it by saying, well, you don't want to make your young quarterback learn a new offensive system in only a second year in the NFL. But uh, what we saw week one wasn't great. The second interception Kenny Pickett threw is a terrible decision. I don't know what he saw at all. Uh, He also had another interception dropped. Kenny Pickett should have had three interceptions on the day. And uh, Pittsburgh, the Steelers looked horrible in basically every way you could. Every way you could be a bad football team. The quarterback was bad. They couldn't run the ball. The defense couldn't stop anything. I I just can't imagine the Steelers are going to be worse next week than they were this week. It's hard to imagine them being this bad the rest of the year. I don't know that this is a great representation of what Pittsburgh can do. They didn't play their best football, that's for sure. But they got a lot to clean up in Pittsburgh. And if they don't clean it up, it's going to be a really, really long year for that football team. But uh, Kenny Pickett was bad. They couldn't run the football. Their defense was garbage. I walked away um, disappointed, surprised, and concerned from week one and the way the Pittsburgh Steelers played. Now, uh, the really fun game, the game that was... You know, I watched the Browns dominate Cincinnati. I watched the Giants dominate, or sorry, the Giants get dominated by Dallas. I watched the Steelers get dominated by the 49ers. 
I watched four football games during week one on Sunday, and uh, three of them were blowouts and not, you know, great, intense, exciting football games. But my favorite game I watched, and the one that I'm so glad I watched, was Miami against the Chargers. Miami beat the LA Chargers 36 to 34. There were seven lead changes. It was back and forth and back and forth, and both quarterbacks played really well. Tua Tunga. Tua Tungvaloa played really well. Justin Herbert played really well. And these are guys who will always be compared to each other because Tua was drafted right before Justin Herbert, and Miami had a shot to draft Justin Herbert. They didn't. They chose Tua instead. And that's always been a controversial thing. Like, hey, maybe Miami drafted the wrong player. I think now, after this game, this moment, they're... Their careers have matured enough. We can say, hey, I think Tua and Justin Herbert are both really good players, and they both worked out. I think we can say that. Hey, they both did great. They're both good players. And I think instead of comparing them all the time, we can just be happy that both teams got a franchise quarterback. But, uh, yo, Tua was lights out in this football game. It was a fun quarterback battle, but Tua was 28 for 45, passing at 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception and a fumble, so two turnovers, but my goodness. Um, the throw that sticks in my mind that I can't get over, they were down four points, uh, a couple minutes left. They were down 34 to 30, and Tua stepped up in the pocket. He's running, literally running towards the uh, line of scrimmage, and then just launches the ball deep to Tyreek Hill for the, is a deep ball that 47 yards to set up the game-winning touchdown pass, one that he also threw to Tyreek Hill. He threw a fade ball to Tyreek Hill that was, like, beautiful and perfect. Tua played really, really well in this football game. And uh, like I said, I think you can like Justin Herbert and also like Tua and just acknowledge both players are really good. You know, Justin Herbert had a quieter day. He was 23 for 33 passing at 228 yards, one touchdown, but also... You know, the Chargers ran for 230 yards, a little more than that. I believe 234 yards. The Chargers didn't need Justin Herbert to throw for 400 yards in this football game. They scored a lot of points with the running game, and Herbert did really good. Maybe not as explosive or as exciting on the stat sheet as Tua Tungavaloa, but Justin Herbert did a good job. I just think that this comparison maybe is ready to die. This constant back and forth. Who's better, Tua or Herbert? Maybe you can you can do it if you want. I'm just kind of like, hey, they're both good players, and that's cool and exciting, and I'm glad to see both quarterbacks worked out and became franchise quarterbacks, but um, Tua had a really good game, and in the fourth quarter when it mattered most, he stepped up and made a big play, really a couple big plays, to allow his football team to win. Now we got to talk about Tyreek Hill, the star receiver in Miami. He had 11 catches for 215 yards and two touchdowns. And I wonder, you know, we saw week one, Kansas City didn't have Travis Kelsey playing. They really struggled at receiver. Kadarius Toney had a bunch of drops. And the number one thing Kansas City needs is a receiver. And they traded one away a couple of, you know, two years ago, Tyreek Hill to Miami. Tyreek Hill, ever since that trade has gone off and been amazing, two years in a row now, I guess week one this year and last year in Miami, Tyreek Hill's been incredible. How do Kansas City Chiefs fans feel? Do they feel great that they don't have Tyreek Hill on their football team anymore? I'm sure they don't. And it's interesting to me. They couldn't find a way to pay him. They, they couldn't find a way. I'm like, oh. Tyreek Hill is now, he's the best receiver in the NFL. And I, I guess he was before, but man, I, he's unbelievable. 
He's unbelievable making big play after big play. And uh, I would imagine a fan of Kansas City is going like, we should have kept him. I don't know that the first round pick we got in return for him is good enough. I don't know that I'm really glad that we gave up Tyreek Hill. I would imagine that's how a Chiefs fan feels today. But uh, it was an awesome win for Tua. That's kind of the focus here. Tua played really well. And uh, I think Justin Herbert can handle losing this game and getting away with it because he's really talented. He's had a lot of success in the past. But there's always been questions about Tua. He's hurt. He's not good enough. Did they draft the wrong guy? This win was more meaningful for Tua, in my opinion. And I think this win, beating Justin Herbert on the road, making a bunch of plays in the fourth quarter, it allows us to put that constant comparison to rest. Hey, they're both good players, and uh, we can all move forward now. It's worth noting, Justin Herbert got the ball at the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, had a minute 45 left, got a possession, own 25-yard line, threw for one first down. Then on their own 35-yard line, uh, threw an intentional grounding, which was, again, Miami just got pressure on Herbert. He had nothing he could do, got rid of the ball. That's intentional grounding. Uh, then Miami dialed up the pressure even further. They got two sacks on that final drive and went for it on fourth down, sacked Herbert again. And, uh, man, the really great move that I think gets overlooked. So the Browns added Jim Schwartz, a new defensive coordinator, and uh, Miami brought in Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, former head coach, didn't work in Denver as head coach, was a great defensive coordinator in Chicago. And uh, Vic Fangio, already that hire is working out really well. Looked great. I thought his defensive calls were phenomenal. And the way he dialed up pressure at the end of the game uh, was outstanding. I do want to say, though, so we're praising the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. Let's also talk about the Chargers' offensive coordinator because... I watched a lot of Chargers football last year, and their old offensive coordinator, Lombardi, was frustrating and and a a disappointment. We're only one game in. We'll see how the year goes, but the Chargers offense looked better and was really fun to watch, by the way. Kellen Moore calling plays for Justin Herbert. Um, I love it. I think it's it's a really good pairing there. I know they lost today, but they put up 34 points. They did a lot of good stuff. And uh, let's be also clear, if Kellen Moore does a good job as the offensive coordinator in L.A., he's going to become a head coach. I mean, he will make himself a head coaching candidate by doing a good job here. And I thought after one game, the Kellen Moore hire looks like a good one. I know they lost. I know that's not awesome. But uh, Kellen Moore, I don't know what Chargers fans feel like. I would love to hear from them. Hey, Chargers fans, how do you feel? But I thought, hey, one game in with Kellen Moore, we're already in a better place than the Chargers were before with uh, Lombardi. So I I like the move. And uh, Kellen Moore, one game in, feeling good about it. All right, we're going to talk about, we got a a couple more things to talk about. But before we do anything else, I want to, hey guys, uh, it's kind of a big deal here. I'm actually trying to help you, so don't skip the ad. I know that when you listen to a podcast, you skip ahead. I know that because that's what I do, but... Don't skip this one. We got Factor as a sponsor, and I was sitting down to prepare my little ad read. They give, you know, I, I write a piece of paper with a bunch of notes, and I'm like, okay, what are they offering? What's the deal here? Usually, it's like 10 to 20%. You're like, okay, factor.com slash SOS, whatever. And uh, no, no, no. They are offering 50% off to Strong Opinion Sports listeners, and here's what they are. They are Factor is a meal kit service. You can get 50% off. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50. And uh, straight up on a human level, 
if you'd be kind of silly not to investigate. It's a great deal. Factor is a meal kit service. They send you ready-to-eat meals. Uh, they're easy to prepare. For me, they showed up in a box with a bunch of high-quality ice packs. You take them out of the box. You put the, the meal kits in the fridge. And when you want food, you go to the fridge. You take it out. You put the thing in the microwave. You heat it up. Two minutes later, you've got a really good meal ready to go. Now, the microwave part made me kind of go, what is this? Is it a bunch of TV dinners? Like, what is this crap? No, no, no. This is phenomenal food. It's high quality. It's never frozen. And compared to all the other options you can have for a quick and easy meal, it kind of kicks booty and is phenomenal. So what I really think is interesting, too, there's so many ways to customize your order, whether you are maybe you're on a diet and you're like, hey, I'm trying to cut calories. There are low calorie options. Or maybe you just want really good food that's easy to make and doesn't take 30 minutes to an hour out of your time cooking during the day. Like for me, I'm really busy with football season and it's an incredibly valuable thing for me to go to my fridge Grab a really good meal, pull it out, put it in the microwave. Two minutes later, I've got a good meal ready to go. I saved a lot of time. It's cheaper for you and better than takeout or delivery. I used to drive for a delivery service. Guys, those prices are not good compared to this. Um, so, again, it's just nice to have the fridge loaded with high-quality good meals that are easy to prepare. And you can get 50% off of this meal kit service. Do the math. That's a really good offer. So, Head to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That is factormeals.com slash SOS50. Use code SOS50 to get 50% off. Again, code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off. And uh, guys, it's a great offer. You would be silly. I'm trying to help you. Like That would be a great thing to investigate because it's legitimately a great deal. Food's expensive right now. And having food that's great and convenient and not terrible for you is a rare thing. So investigate it, factorymeals.com slash SOS50. Uh, I want to take a short break. You got to hear from, we got a really awesome new sponsor, one that I genuinely really like. I like their product. I like the discount they're offering. And so, yeah, let's pay the bills. All right, we are back. I'm really tired. I've been up since 5 a.m. Uh, I've been going all weekend, working really hard on that. I'm so bummed. I worked so hard on that film analysis video, only to put it out at, like, the worst possible time. Thanks, Kenny Pickett. Wish you could have had my back and had a little better game. I don't know. I, I hear the criticism. Like, I know this aged poorly. I see all the comments and stuff. I'm not too worried. I think Kenny Pickett, by the end of the year, is going to look better. I really believe what I said. I think the film shows it, but... Horrible timing to put out a Kenny Pickett film analysis saying he's going to have a great year. And then week one, he plays the 49ers and looks like garbage. I think it's just bad optics. We'll see. I think, again, week 17 or 18, come talk to me. I think Kenny Pickett, he's going to be fine. I, I really think he's going to be better this year. But certainly uh, could not have been worse timing. Now, let's talk about college football just a little bit. I know I got to talk about Colorado. We just have to. On Saturday, Colorado beat Nebraska 36-14. to and it's worth noting, Nebraska made it. Uh, they scored a touchdown with two seconds left, literally in the game. So it really was 36 to seven, but they got a touchdown in garbage time, literally with two seconds left in the football game. And there was a moment where Colorado went for a two point conversion. I was kind of confused as to why. Like 37 to seven would have been awesome. 37 to 14 was great. I, I don't know why they went for two at the end, but they did, and it, it didn't work out. Um, to me, Colorado football is must-watch TV. It's phenomenal. I have found myself, I don't have a favorite football team. 
And if Deion Sanders leaves Colorado, I'm not going to stay a Colorado fan. I'm not a Colorado football fan, but I am definitely rooting for them. Like I, I emotionally am invested. And when good things happen, when I watch Colorado football, I get excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm really into it. It's so fun to root for Deion Sanders. I love what he's doing there. And I, I just am really enjoying two games in Colorado football is awesome. Now the final score is dominant, but I don't know that Colorado dominated the way the final score might make it look. Uh, they only led 13 to nothing at halftime. They put together thir- 23 points in the second half. They had three touchdowns, that field goal, and I, I sorry, three touchdowns, a field goal, and the, the missed two point conversion in the second half. So 23 points in the second half for Colorado. I love Colorado, but I thought from their perspective, it was a bit of a sloppy game. They made some mistakes. They did some stuff I didn't love. Uh, Shadur Sanders, their quarterback, was sacked eight times. That's never good. And the Nebraska defense played really well. Credit to them. They played well enough to win. Unfortunately, Nebraska's offense was a disaster. Um, I really didn't like when people said, after Colorado beat TCU week one, well, TCU is bad. It's like, oh, you're moving the goalposts. But let's be clear, Nebraska's not a great football team, in my opinion. The defense played well. But it's hard to win a football game when your offense has four turnovers. And... Jeff Sims, the Nebraska quarterback, was just puking all over himself. He was a disaster, dropping snaps and threw a horrible interception. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Colorado's win. And I think what you really got to credit them on is after a big emotional victory over TCU, it's easy to kind of emotionally have a low the next week. And I thought they had a not a great first half and a better second half. But we got to be clear that there's still a lot of stuff that Colorado's got to fix. I mean, they allowed way too much pressure on Shadur Sanders, their quarterback. In turn, Shadur Sanders held on to the ball too long. Now, he had three touchdowns. He, he threw for two. He ran for one. Shadur threw for 393 yards. He had a good day. Colorado had a good day. Shout out to them. Shout out to the receiver. Xavier Weaver had 10 catches for 170 yards and a touchdown catch. Uh, but Colorado wasn't perfect. They only ran the ball for 58 yards. They allowed their quarterback to be under way too much pressure. There are still things to clean up in Colorado. They had nine penalties this week against Nebraska. Next week, you got one more opportunity to play kind of a weaker program. They play Colorado State next week. And then in two weeks, there's a really big game. Colorado goes on the road at Eugene to play at Oregon. That's a big deal you got two more weeks until you play at Oregon, a really good football team. you got to be ready when that moment comes. Then the next week after that, September 30th, USC comes to town. USC is going to go to Boulder, and Colorado will host USC. So all the stuff I talked about, the pressure on the quarterback, the penalties, the slow start, the I think running the football is still a concern. you got to clean stuff up. you got one more game against Colorado State to fix everything so that you're ready for Oregon uh, in two weeks. And uh, they got a shot in both games. I think they've got an opportunity where they're going to be competitive with USC and with Oregon. I'd be surprised if Colorado got dominated by... I mean, it could happen. Anybody can have a bad game and get dominated, but um, I think they're competitive talent-wise with Oregon and USC. But the little things are going to matter, and they've got little things they still got to clean up. I would imagine that is what Coach Prime is telling his football team after this week. I bet the film room today was a lot of, guys, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, we got to be better. But still, Colorado's 2-0. They got more wins than they won last year. Uh, More wins than they had last year. And it's it's just cool. I really enjoy watching Colorado football. But 
We got to acknowledge week two was not as good as week one, in my opinion. I Still, though, a great win. Well, I don't want to take anything away, but they got to clean stuff up for that Oregon game on September 23rd. Another really fun game I watched in college football. It was a killer weekend for Texas football. The Cowboys had a dominating win on Sunday night football. And the University of Texas beat Alabama on the road at Alabama. Texas beat Alabama 34-24. to It's a massive win. Alabama had won 21 games in a row at home. And that streak is now over, man. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, to me, is just so much fun to watch. Like, I could watch him in a pro day setting in shorts and a t-shirt just throwing the ball for hours. I love watching this kid throw the football. He was 24 for 38 passing. Quinn Ewers had 349 yards, three touchdown passes, zero. Zero turnovers. It's awesome. He dropped some dimes, man. He had a couple throws where I'm like, yo, that is a high-level, beautiful throw. Um, I also thought there were a couple times where Texas receivers missed an opportunity or two where they had catches that were not awful drops. They were throws that were not, you know, how do I say this? Texas had a couple opportunities to catch the ball that they didn't, that weren't terrible drops. They were definitely tough catches, but the ball was right there exactly where it needed to be. And so I thought Quinn Ewers played even better than his numbers might show. And again, I I repeat this, his arm talent is incredible. I could just watch him throw the football for hours. And Quinn Ewers paired with his coach, Steve Sarkeesian, it's a cool pair, man. You know, they play, they beat Bama at on the road. So they beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa this year. Next year, they join the SEC. It's a big deal. This is a huge, huge win for Texas football. And as an outside observer, this is the best I've felt about Texas football in a long, long time. Now, the Texas fan base is a bit crazy. They're toxic and overreact to everything. But I'm hoping that beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa is a win that affords more patience and more time for Steve Sarkeesian because I think he's building something at Texas. They're going to go to the SEC next year. That's going to be a little more difficult. But I I like what Steve Sarkeesian is doing. It's a massive win over Alabama. His offense looks awesome. His quarterback looks really good. And I I just hope that the toxic fan base that Texas has, the, the fan base they have that's incredibly impatient, they always overreact to everything, I hope they just don't ruin what they got because they got a really good coach and a really good quarterback, and I would hate to see them unceremoniously run Steve Sarkeesian out of town if they have a bad loss late in the year or something. They're building towards something. I really believe that, and this Texas football program is the best it's been in a long, long time. By the way, Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow is still developing. Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow, he's talented, Um, he can throw some beautiful deep balls. He had a couple throws against Texas where I'm like, Hey, that's awesome. And his problem is he's just really struggling at reading coverages. He's good at recognizing one-on-one coverage and putting the ball up and his arm talent is there. He can run. He's a great athlete. He can throw the ball really well, but watching Jalen Milrow is kind of a roller coaster because he does have talent, but the highs are really impressive and the lows are really bad. There are some bad throws and bad decisions and bad interceptions. And uh, two of them, by the way, against Texas that were awful. And I think watching Jalen Milrow, some of the throws are throws where he's just guessing 
and hoping a receiver is going to help him out. Now, it happened a couple times. A couple times an Alabama receiver bailed him out and made a crazy good catch and made Jalen Milrow look good on the stat sheet, but I'm I'm a bit worried about this quarterback Alabama has. You know, he's got to progress quickly because later in the year, if he doesn't get ready to go sooner and faster, they could lose another one, another big game. You know, maybe LSU again, potentially, I think Ole Miss. I'm spitballing here, but I think Alabama's a really good football team with a quarterback who isn't where he needs to be reading defenses and understanding coverages. And so that could be a problem later in the year. That could be another, I think part of why they lost to Texas is because their quarterback, Jalen Milrow, wasn't good enough. And this could be a problem again later in the year against another team. Again, LSU comes to mind. They don't play Georgia this year unless they get to the SEC title game. But I, I see, I've just got concerns, man. Uh, Bama's got a lot, a lot of things to clean up. They had 10 penalties and two turnovers. They lost at home. Those are all really bad. It was a fun game to watch. I loved watching Texas beat Alabama, but, uh, I, I have concerns about Alabama. Their quarterback has to get better in a hurry or else they are going to probably lose another game, uh, against a good opponent this year. I want to maintain though, Texas football, Cowboys dominated 40 to nothing on Sunday night football on Saturday, the day before. Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. What an awesome weekend for football fans in Texas. Now, it's worth noting, um, you know, my roommate's a a Chicago Bears fan from Chicago. The Packers beat Chicago 38-20 to in their first game without Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love looked really good. The Packers won by 18 points. Great win for them. So the Packers without Aaron Rodgers looked awesome. How will Aaron Rodgers look? in his first game out of Green Bay. Well, we're going to find out. Monday Night Football tomorrow. I guess today you're probably watching this on Monday, so later Monday night. Buffalo plays the Jets. It's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see what happens. And, uh, you know, right now, right now, Jordan Love's doing really, really well. They're 1-0. They dominated Chicago. How does Aaron Rodgers do without Green Bay? That's the question we'll find out on Monday Night Football now, before Monday Night Football, I really want to watch that. I'm so interested. That Rams-Seattle game. The Rams beat Seattle 30-13. to What happened? Well, I, you know, I thought the Rams were terrible. I thought Seattle was really good. I can't wait to watch that game to find out. You know, what did the Rams do better than I expected? What did the Seattle Seahawks do that wasn't great? How did that happen? And I, I have no problem being wrong. I picked the Rams to go 2-15. and I knew that was a risky pick. I understood that at the time. But they got a lot of young guys. The Cooper Cup didn't play. They still beat Seattle. That's interesting to me. I can't wait to watch that game and report back what happened. The big episode will be Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Monday. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm not recording. This is Sunday night for me. Tomorrow, I'm watching football all day, then watching Monday night football, then sometime Tuesday, recording the next episode of the show. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.